today I'm doing a slightly different uh, podcast. Um, I sat down for a little bit over an hour with Liam here. Liam is a strong supporter of the National Party and as you hear at the end, maybe has some fatal attraction for the ACT Party. Liam and I discuss where you should, as a centre-right voter, potentially give your vote. Should you give it to the National Party and the Conservative element or should you consider voting for the more radical ginger group that is ACT, which is where my perspective is. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Liam and I are likely to continue this conversation pushing into other areas where we disagree on the matter of religion, on uh, Chesterton's fence, on libertarianism, on conservatism. Uh, well, there are more of these to come, but in the meantime, Liam and I are discussing how to vote in the upcoming election. I'm here with Liam Hare. Liam was formerly a columnist with the Manawatu, which one was it? Um, so I've written for the Manawatu Standard. Which, which was, was now stuff. part of stuff. An excellent organisation, which sadly <laughs> you no longer write for. I gave that up just at the end of the 2017 election. And I've written for, the, used to write quite a bit for the spin-off. Yes, we, we actually, no, we will hold that against you, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> Not so much recently, um, but also uh, Newsroom, I'm currently running a series for Newsroom on the election, uh-huh. and uh, occasionally, once in a while, for The Guardian, the... Um, the UK one, um, yeah. So, and again, we'll 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 hold we'll hold that against you. Uh, you can also find Liam on Radio New Zealand on the panel at nine to noon with Catherine Ryan, and occasionally on ZB. Welcome, Liam. I wanted to talk to you about politics. We've got an election coming up in a week and a half. You're aware of that? Yeah, I am vaguely aware. Okay, yep. good. Yep. Now, Liam is a member of the National Party. That's right. And you have been a long-time member of the National Party. How long have you been a uh, member? Since, since 2008. I jumped on the bandwagon um, then um, as Key was coming in. Yeah. Um, first involvement in elections was uh, camp, uh, volunteering for Stephen Franks for Wellington Central, my yes. last year of university. Uh, before that, though, I had been a member of the Alliance Party, and I've got a... a a strong family history of um, of left wing politics that I've sort of separated my, myself from. Not as much as you might like, but uh, okay. But there's a definitely a very strong uh, history of that, and that sort of swept me along as a teenager, which I which I outgrew. So you've joined the National Party 2008. You were branch president, vice president. Something? I was. I was the. Um, uh, branch uh, chair of the Palmerston North electorate for about oh, 11, 12, 13 months. And at that point I got the, the chance to start to be paid, a, you know, as you know, a very small sum for political writings. And sort of my view then was that it's okay to be a member and to, you know, sort of write about politics, but when you become an officer, it's a bit different. I think officers of organisations have obligations to put forward the party line. So I gave up any involvement in the organisation of the party then. The reason why we're here is we're going to discuss whether it is appropriate to vote for national or act in the coming electorate. Um, And if you are considering voting for New Zealand first, um, may I suggest that you find a piece of wood and repeatedly hit yourself in the head with it until such time as the pain stops. Why do you think, before we get on to 
whether people should vote for New Zealand First or uh, um, Act or, or, or National, because we have different views on that. Why do you think people are considering voting for New Zealand First? What is driving that? Uh, well, it's just the old Winston Churchill adage, right, about the best argument. It's sort of against democracy being a you know five minute discussion with the average voter. It's you know like you know it, it makes sense. You know we follow politics, you know minute to minute. You know we know what a vote for New Zealand first represents, but you can't expect the great mass of people to you know even hold on to those memories from three years ago when New Zealand first was in power, enabling a Labour government. Um, and you know it, like there's a, we're t- we're talking about five to six percent of the population. Damien, five to six percent of the population fall for email scams. You know, like that's <laughs> those people need representation too, and that's why New Ze- there'll always be a place for New Zealand first. There'll always be marks out there, people rubes who are easy. You know, we'll just they'll listen to what the easy promises are. I've heard one theory that Winston may fail because a lot of the support that he's getting in the anti-vax support, which might be 15, 20% of his current support base. Um, what might happen there is exactly what happened to Billy TK in that they simply don't turn up to vote. Do you think there's any chance of that happening or, or is Winston definitely back? I think he's definitely back. I think that's really wishful thinking. You know, I mean, there is sort of this effect of Winston Peters sort of uniting all the disaffected behind him for whatever, um, you know, he might lose in terms of unreliability. Uh, on the on the on the anti-vax crowd, he makes up for in the super unbreakable voting um, habits of his elderly um, people. New Zealand First doesn't tend to lose a whole lot of votes between polling and uh, and election day. They're not like the Greens in that regard. So, look, you know, call me a pessimist, but I've sort of felt for about a year he was close enough that he's going to be back, and I'll be really surprised if he's not. Right. So, let's talk about the case for National. So give me your, your 60 seconds pitch why, if you are a centre-right voter, you should consider giving Christopher Luxon and his band of merry men their support. Men and women. Women are allowed to vote? No? Well, they're allowed to run for parliament, at least. Oh, God, God's <laughs> um, Yes, Look, men and women. Um, well, you know, it's, it can only ever be the only rationale that uh, applies to a vote for National, which is that they're, they're not the Labour Party, right? It's a, it's a vote against the existing government for the alternative government in waiting. Um, Give me a positive reason. I want <laughs> I a positive... That is not a positive... That is not... Well, because that, that goes right to David Seymour's criticism, which is that the, the wonderful thing about National is that if they were to run against communism, they would not run on the basis that they would abolish communism, only manage it better. And so what is... Is there is there any positive reason to vote for National, or is it simply to keep the Labour Party out? No, they'll run it better, right? There's no doubt about that. Would you rather have better-run communism or badly-run communism? Well, probably badly-run communism if, if, if it means that the system falls. I mean... The, you know, you wouldn't have had Lech Walesa and and the Solidarity Movement in Poland yeah. if the communist regime there had been run efficiently. So, yeah. as opposed to it's been run very inefficiently in China, would be would be my response to that. But I I, I think you're being disingenuous. I don't I don't think you've been fair. The National Party does have some. Oh policies. yeah, that's right. I mean, look, it's there is like something that drives me nuts is this idea that there is no meaningful choice between the major parties. There is a meaningful choice, right? There's one party that wants to reduce the tax burden and one that doesn't. 
Uh, you've got one party that um, you know will uh, will positively uh, uh, try to um, uh, foist social reforms on an unwilling population, and you have a, p- a party that won't po- look to positively do it, even if they don't roll back all the things that we would like them to roll back. There's, there's a meaningful choice there. And in our system, which remains an adversarial system, you're choosing between the two camps, right? And so um, people say to me, um, Liam, you're a National Party supporter. And, and I've always, I'm actually a member, so I guess I have to cop to that. But, but I think the better formulation is that I prefer the National Party. And I think, you know, that's the way to frame it. And I think you would say the same, right? You're not, uh, you know, you don't think the ACT, the ACT Party, you, you're not there in, in, in it for the ACT Party. You prefer the ACT Party to National. I think the ACT Party is disappointingly milquetoast in their libertarian perspective. Yeah. So you have a preference for them of the available options. Yes, that is true. And that's the same for me as, a, as a, someone who supports the National Party. You're like, I'm committed to the principles of smaller government if it can be managed and, uh, you know, more social cohesion, social tranquility. Of all the choices that are there, what's the most viable on the right? And that's national. All right. Well, let's, let's start picking apart some of their policy, right? So let's, let's start with education. Yeah, sure. Right? So, so far as I can tell, national's policy on education is to try to force teachers to teach for an hour a day. Yeah. Good start, right? Not really. I, I'm not a fan of I've got a – your kid's – they're, they're obviously at, um, I think you're... Three you're, of my kids are at primary school. Your boy's about the same age as one of my... Uh, one of my boys is the same age as yeah. one of yours. Yeah. My only one. So they're currently in state school or Catholic schools? Uh, they're, they're in the local uh, state school. We live in the country, so yeah. Right, so you don't... All right. I'll go to a Catholic primary, uh, secondary school, but they're in the state school. But they are getting, though, Liam, they are getting an hour a day as education. Um, y- yes. I mean, they're learning something. They're coming home and they're, and they're learning something. They can read. Yeah, they can. But here's the thing. So there's a massive amount of variability, right, in the system. And like in uh, primary uh, school level, like so much comes down to the, who, who the principal is. Now, I'm actually relatively um, cappy with, with our primary school. If, if our primary school wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't great, I would probably take them somewhere else, right? We, we do have that choice uh, where I live. Uh, but at the same, by the same token, yeah, my kids can read. I, I don't know how much of that is because of the schools. Um, we read to our kids. You know, like, like responsibility starts at home, right? And we're lucky enough. Well, yeah, but that's that's insufficient. So, yes, responsibility does start um, at home. But if you're going to have a state-funded education system, yeah, which I don't think you should. But given that everybody believes that that should, one of the things that should that we should as a taxpayer get from that is that those people who's... Who go through it can read, write and do sums. Well, it's more than that. I would say if you if your parents do not read to you yeah. and you go to a state-funded school, yeah. I want to know that that state-funded school is going to teach you. So at least then you've got, an, oppo- yeah. you've got an, an opportunity. And at the moment, that doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, so what's the problem again? Because National's saying that they will have a minimum requirement that that occurs. All right. So let me tell you what, what I think the problem with that philosophy is. Is... You're going to have the Minister of Education. Who was National's Education Spokesman? Remind me. Um, it is um, oh, um, Erica Stanford. Ah, of course. Yeah, yeah North Shore yeah. woman. Excellent. Yeah. The, <clears throat> you're going to have Erica Stanford issuing a memo yep. to the Chief Executive of the Department of Education, yep. or Minister of Education, telling them, <clears throat> we want the teachers to teach. Yep. 
But that is pushing wet spaghetti. That doesn't it doesn't change the incentive structure. Yeah. You're going to have the same principals, the same teachers, the same board of trustees. By contrast, the um, ACT's political regime. Yeah. Now, obviously, ACT ACT had a big thing for charter schools. They only got six yeah. of them um, over the line, and 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 I think the problem, part of the problem was that there simply wasn't enough. Private sector organisations in the time frame available wanting to set them up, yeah. so there was a there was a constraint there. Mm -hmm. So their current regime, and I don't know how realistic it is, but their current policy is to say, hey, we're going to give all the schools the opportunity to become partnership schools. Yep. They're calling mm -hmm. it, which is effectively a form of charter schools. Now, um, I've. This part of that policy doesn't seem to be particularly well thought out. No, so it seems like a bit of a fantasy out. to me, to be honest. Um, it 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 possibly is, but let's say they get five percent of the schools yep. to say, "Yep, we 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 are going to disentangle ourselves from the state, mm -hmm. and we're going to set our own agenda." We and and the. They're doing away with the requirement that teachers need to be members of the uh, that you need to have a university degree, which yep. I think is, is an appalling restriction. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna they're gonna give the board of trustees enormous degree of autonomy to run themselves separately from the Ministry of Education. Yeah, and they're gonna do away with zoning, right? Mm -hmm. So you can send your kid. So it, it creates competition. If you if you want better outcomes in education and you believe in the free market, and yep. I know National Party. Um, theory, does, yep. yeah. Then, then why not try and and actually change the model? Because if all you're doing is setting up a regime where you've got the whole thing is driven by the centre, mm -hmm. then when you have a change of minister, then you simply go back to the same regime you had before. So, from my from my perspective, Act's ability to to change the model, surely that must have some appeal. Um. So I'm a complete pessimist. Um, on these sorts of things. I am, right? And so you're right. Yes. Like the education profession and the system is a blob, right? And, you know, uh, the idea that you can push through reforms from Wellington that will, um, you know, meaningfully ripple out into the uh, um, wide education sector is really, you know, probably overly ambitious. That's, the Tories tried it in the UK and failed, um, really. Well, hold on. I mean, um, so this is Michael Goh's reforms. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that you know? Would you say that they've re revolutionised education in I the don't, UK? I don't. I'm, I'm aware of the reforms. Um, according to the Spectator, they've done all right. But that yeah. I, I I will not admit. Has it changed? I don't you know, know. So this is the thing. So I, don't, you talk, I, I don't. You know. Talk I don't know. Act, do, am I do, am I drawn to what Act proposes in terms of you know making tomorrow schools more what tomorrow schools was meant to be? You know, yeah, yeah in theory, right? But you you talked about Act's ability to deliver it. Act has no no one has the ability to deliver it. You know we are we are working within a a a three year electoral cycle system, where um, the permanent power is held by bureaucrats down here. I think there is a real difference in, in between politics and philosophy. And one of the key differences between you and I, and I think between conservatives and libertarians, is that for us politics is about the nuts and bolts of what can be achieved within the system that exists, how far you can pr push the system while maintaining democratic consent, and not the abstract ideal, uh, which the ACT Party can campaign on all it likes and has never, ever had to try to deliver and won't be able to deliver. And that's the difference. Do, do, do you, all right, so, that, we, so we my, have a limited my counter, range of choices. My, my, my counter-response to that would be um, Richard Preble selling telecom in 1989. Yeah. 
So the the Labour Party at the time, the government was dead in the water. Everybody knew it was dead in the water. And he turned around and he sold telecom, and that was something that could not be undone. Now, obviously, you know, it's even Erica Stanford, with the best will in the world, is not going to be able to sell two and a half thousand uh, state schools. But by doing that, Preble changed the incentive structure and the nature of how telecommunications happened. So why... And who would want to go back, right? You, exactly. But, but the thing is... So they, why, but, why, why not attempt to do that in education? Because, because there isn't the opportunity. And so, you know, I think that the, those years, sort of the mold, from the end, the, end, yeah. the end of Muldoon through to the first MMP election, those years were what made New Zealand how it is now, right? The, all beautiful, the, all the, the beautiful years. All the great things and all the bad things flow out of that. It was the inflection point of our history. Yes. But it came, around, it came about because, the first of all, the electoral system of first-past-the-post allowed it, right? Because you had, you had this binary choice. You know, and uh, you had decisive governments that um, could count on majorities, and you had a two-party monopoly, uh, which allowed some much more recognition of of reality and stronger government. But secondly, you had a crisis. You know, we were still, you know, the the, the country had what was it, had been brought to its breaking point. When you break things, but that was not that was that was not the case in nineteen. 19- uh, 89 uh, and and you 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 there was a lot of economic turbulence throughout that throughout that whole decade right you know we, it, the, it was a it was an era of reform right and it was that was forced upon the country and then you get national come in in 1990 promising to undo it because national was a conservative party or to slow it down at least well Ruth Ag- Richardson kept it going for a little yeah, while again, but, 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 just- but, but again that was because hand was forced right by coming to power there's no, uh, there's there's no uh, preview back then. The um, BNZ is going to go under. Should have sold it. You know, so you have you have all of this uh, outward crisis, and that outward crisis allows you to reform. What we have at the moment in the MMP system is a is a is a, an electoral system that doesn't allow those reforms, and so we have a, a slower accumulation. It's like a cholesterol accumulating in the arteries. And and you, we can't do anything too much about it until we get to that breaking point again, and and hopefully that's years and years away. So, <laughs> the nas- so the national policy, the national party's prescription on education. This is no, no. This is, is to do nothing no, until such time as the system is so utterly broken. Then we have some top-down um, uh, revolution. Uh, that's, that's, that's somewhat no, pessimistic. No, no, You're right. You are that, a pessimist. That's my, that's, that's my view of it is, is that there's only so much that you can actually do, right? I mean, you, do you know many teachers? I'm married yes. to one. I've, all the left-wing people in my family are teachers, right? Yes. So the idea that you are going to that that a centre-right government is going to come in, right, and in a three-year period, um, radically reform that system with with the people who need to work in it. Are completely opposed to uh, anything other than the most minimal reform is a fantasy. But Liam, that's uh, and again, that's that's. What are you do sack them all. That's um, well, Ronald Reagan did with the air traffic yeah. controllers. But the but the the but this this I guess comes down to the um, and I'm not. What can you I'm do? Not, that's the question. What I'm not, can you do? Okay. Well, the, the the first thing you can do is you can end the monopoly on the. Um, the teacher registration thing. It is utterly ridiculous that you need to have a four-year degree 
in order to be a teacher. And it's not four years, it's six years, because yeah. then you need to have another two years after that yeah. to get to get registered. Now, I, I don't doubt that you, you there are things of value that you learn throughout that six-year period, but I find it difficult to accept that you or I could walk into a, a, into a classroom and we would be able to do something, all right? Probably get yelled at. This is, is not, and teachers will be outraged to hear this, and I'm, I'm sure your no, wife is an excellent teacher, but you don't need a four-year no, degree you, you don't. to do that. So the first thing that a National uh, Act government could do would say, we're, we're, we're just going to end that. But National doesn't even have the ambition to do that. The National doesn't even, I mean, you go back, you're talking about um, Jim Bolger. Jim Bolger had bulk funding, yeah. right? It was, pretty, it was pretty weak, but it was a very powerful idea, and National doesn't even have that. The lack of ambition on the National Party is just gutting. Yeah. So why didn't bulk funding take? Because I'm a big supporter of bulk funding too. You know, the, the theory not, of its sex. What, what happened? I, don't, I don't know is the answer. Yeah, because what? Because you're fighting a blob. And, and you know, what? You, you, there's only so much you can do when you're fighting a blob. And, you know, that's what the education establishment is. So there's, you, can, you can tire yourself out. Right, trying to find, fundamentally reform it, but and and, and, we, and we can have really interesting arguments and discussions about it, and we should push, uh, always push whoever's in government to do what, what they can. But I guess as a conservative, I am fundamentally, you know, I am fundamentally pessimistic about our ability to to do um, uh, so much of that. Uh, because of the uh, political system that we have now, there, there are. That is not a ringing endorsement of Eric Sanford's no, um, educational but, plan. But, 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 but I want you to defend the National Party. I, but I, I am because I think it's the most vital. You know, like as I say, you know, across all of the uh, policy platforms and all the different positions that and the and the realistic ability to implement them in a way that doesn't create too much social disharmony, I think the National Party is the one for that. And the thing is, I don't think that politics is going to deliver us. We, elected, elective politics is not going to deliver us into some sort of utopia. It's not. You can only, you have to do as much as you can, but you can't do any more than you, than you actually can do. I, do I think National should do more? Uh, you know, I've got all sorts of, you know, I've got four kids. I think about education all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to have a National Party that was more up for a fight, Right. Yeah. But look what happened with, uh, you know, things like class sizes. You know, it, it, you John, John, to... John Key caved. Yeah. Utterly reprehensible. Yeah, I know. So but... Some some teachers got upset, and John yeah. Key just folded like, just it was so. He couldn't even do that because he didn't have the political strength, despite the fact that he had, uh, you know, really really strong electoral base to work from. Right, he, it wasn't like they didn't try. What but it he means did. Is he he didn't to, try. You have to pick your battles. He. Well, what? what okay. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll come we'll come back to what what battle What's John Key actually for? won. What is politics yeah. for? What is what is politics what is for, or what is what is what is democracy for? Yeah, because well, I think of those those, I think those are those are two different answers. If you ask me philosophic philosophically, the reason why I support democracy is to provide. Um, a some form of constraint on the arbitrary power of the state. For me, that is the only benefit towards democracy. Yeah. And the massive downside towards democracy is it legitimizes the behavior of the state. Yeah. But in this particular debate, I just want to keep because we could we could discuss no, the philosophy I, but, of this stuff. I know, and, it's, and, 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 and there's a but there's a, what I'm trying to say is that there is a 
big difference between how I view things in the abstract, how I would like the world to be arranged, and how I think that translates into practical So topics. what would Erica Sanford say is the reason for supporting National on Education if she was sitting here? <laughs> well, the party line, I guess, you know, would be... An hour a day. An hour a day. That it's a great start. You know, that it's a guarantee of a, a minimal, uh, you know, that, that there'll be a, some minimal orientation towards those basic skills. Now, I agree with you completely, by the way, about a lot of what you've said. Yeah. I, look, I'm the, I'm one of those kids who had the benefit. I went to a a, a, a poor Catholic school, right? Yeah. But there were... I so had, did I. I and I had the benefit. In, in those schools, uh, um, which are, you know, they're, they're similar to what you talk about in terms of what you'd like to see and that they have that independence a little bit. Yeah. And they're rigorous, and they're available to uh, parents of kids who don't have a lot of money, you know. Because mm-hmm. they're not—they're not all of them are very well funded. Mine certainly wasn't. But there were three or four teachers I encountered at my time at secondary school that actually just completely lit a fire under me in terms of interest in the world and history and literature and things like that. And one of them, you know, my English teacher, um, who, um, you know, English became my strongest subject. She didn't even have a degree at all. You know, she she was the old. She taught my dad, I think, but she had a, um, you know, she had a uh, some sort of uh, diploma of teaching or whatever. Like it yeah. wasn't like a, a, it wasn't like a postgraduate degree or anything like that. And she was the, by far the best English teacher I could possibly have. So I completely agree with you on that. But the thing is, we accumulate all these that we accumulate this guild. We accumulate all these restrictions. We accumulate all these in, these uh, concentrated interests. It's really, really hard to unpick them. Well, particularly, Liam, if you don't try, and I guess that is the difference between what I perceive to be the difference between National and ACT. There's a difference I see between Labor and and the Greens, for example, whereas the Greens, given an opportunity, would do stuff. I think it will be disastrous and catastrophic. But they they would do things to advance, as as would the Māori Party. I yeah. think the Māori Party have a very clear idea so about think, what they want to do. So I think do. that's really important, right? Because because you will often see the negative of that. You say, right, um, you know, uh, the National Party is too cowardly to pick fights on things where the you know might be a marginal. No, fight. I disagree. I don't. I, I don't think the National Party is cowardly. I just think that that, that, that it's not important to them. Yeah. Because, so because, not, because, because what does the coward, National Party care about more than anything else? Being re-elected. Being re-elected. Yeah, And I the think same so. goes to Labour, right? And so that means that we don't get a whole lot of good wins on the right, but it also means the left are denied a whole lot of wins too. But I'm not, I'm not sure that that's true, because I, I think you, particularly in the in the last term of the Helen Clark's administration, you saw a lot of wins for the for the left. Would, Martin, Bra- would Martin Bradbury say that it was true? <laughs> Would he, would he think the, the left have, have had a whole lot of wins? Um, uh, no, he wouldn't say that they've had a whole lot of wins. No, so but, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? But that's but if you have a, if you have a look at the Helen, the Helen, the last three years of Helen Clark's administration, certainly there 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 was um, some wins for the left, which John Key didn't really unwind. Yep. And in the last six years, again, you know, Martin's outraged at the at the lack of a wealth tax, but. There has been a significant increase in the in the uh, in the state. There's been um, reforms in some areas, some areas that I think have made made things worse. But you're not seeing a, when when national gets in, you're not going to see a big attempt to wind those back. And so the 
the the move. There's a ratchet effect, right? Yeah, it's a good. That's a good way to describe it. I like that. There's a there's a ratchet effect towards yeah. the left, and the and and the the conservative side doesn't seem to be able to ratchet it back. We're on no. a one way trajectory. But, but where? But when has that ever happened? And that's the. So you know, like you, you know, it's 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 awful. But it's kind of like you have this cycle of um, paradigm shifts, right? So um, you know, we had this big clean out. In the in the in the eighties, it was like a, it was like a restructure. It was like an insolvency, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. It, it gives you the ability to go in there and disclaim certain contracts that are, <laughs> you know, just to use your lingo, that are onerous, and you get to get the chance to start again. It's kind of well, insolvency is wrong. Voluntary administration, put it that way. We come out the other side of it, and and we've got this new model, which yes. has been working. And you know, and you might say, look, they've had wins, and they have, and you've had this sort of accumulation of left wing stuff. But it's been grafted on to a what remains fundamentally, you know, the post Muldoon consensus in terms of you know how the the economy structured has remained the same. You've had these this growth in different areas and problems, and there are things that I think are real issues like fair pay agreements, which national, by the way, will repeal. Yep. And that's I will, no, I will. I'm, I will. I will concede the, the the promise to remove the fair pay agreement and. Um, uh, the Resource yep. Management Act, so I you, think, is so a, have, a big win. For you have these growths, and you have this ratchet effect where it's like, it's like cholesterol hardening in the arteries, and we and until we have a heart attack, you know, I'm not sure that we can actually do that. <laughs> so let's um, away from education and and, that, and let's talk about economics. So, national. So again, there's to be fair to national. When you drill down on X policies, exactly where are they going to get the savings? They're, they're a little bit squishy, um, uh, but they're a lot less squishy than um, than national. Um, so, actors saying they get rid of a, rid of some departments, but in the scheme of things, it's it's it's, it's uh, that's not going to yeah, get them the there's savings. Only, there's only so much you're going to save from eliminating waste and fraud and abuse. There's like it's we're talking about. You know, it's much more significant than a lot of people say, right? I mean, a billion here, a billion there, soon you're talking about real money, right? And, you know, in this town, we're both in Wellington at the moment, uh, both town that we probably really detest and hate and wish was I a love, third of I, its current I, size. I love, I, love, I love coming to Wellington. I, I think it's great, but I would like to see... Because we've we've been we've, we have tried to recruit staff for our Wellington office, and yeah. we can't compete with the, yeah, with the, the wages sector. of the states. And I uh, found that, as a lawyer... All of a sudden, under this government, you know, we couldn't, we just couldn't compete. We just couldn't compete with the terms that were being offered. Um, it was, it was, it was twenty percent uh, of the pay again, but with, uh, you know, flexed uh, working hours. So let's, <coughs> so let's, let's talk about. So, okay. Um, uh, um, our friends at Acts have turned around, f- yep. for example, at MB, and they just said they're going to cut the staff mum- numbers in half, right? Whether they can do that or not is another story, but. But at least they've gone out there. They're gonna. They've identified some departments they wanna. They wanna knock on the head. Yeah. Things like the winter energy payments. They're gonna mean to test that, which is great. Um. So they've got some real clear. And so from my perspective, you know, I I would like to see them go, be a lot more aggressive. But at least they've got some. They're, they're outlining a policy, and I'm a little bit concerned that the the drop in tax revenue. Um, they're not going to cut enough to, to justify yeah. the drop in tax revenue, depending where you are potentially on the Laffer curve. But our friends at National, their policy prescription is they're going to sit down with the chief executives and say, go find 6.5%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 hopeless, isn't it? That's not going to work. Well, what I would say is this. 
you know, it's a losing game to when you're in the opposition to, and I wish they wouldn't do it, to come up with these detailed plans, you know, to the dollar about how they're going to do things. Because the reality is, is that nothing works out like that. Like, what government project projections are close to being true anyway? You know, like, the thing That's is, true. you set the broad policy outlines, you, 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 you set um, the tax level at a way that will maximise your ability to collect revenue to spend on things you want without stifling the actual productive sector as much as you can. And you just have to manage with that. And I just, like, it just turns me on. Like, I'm, I'm, I just, it reminds me of George Orwell talking about just being, having your numbers, your ears bruised by these numbers that are just flowing at you, and they're all fictitious made-up numbers anyway. Yes. You know, like, it's, it's uh, the, um, uh, you and I, if there's anything we can agree on, it's the idea that these central planners who, like, think that they can... <laughs> project and calculate what's going to happen with the economy if it's changed. It's just a nonsense. It's a conceit. It's a fatal conceit. It's a fatal conceit. <laughs> you turn this lever and this is going to happen, you know, and it's going to be this. But So, like, you know, my, my view of that is that, look, on the tax thing, right? Yes. Maybe we, and maybe we agree with this, right? We, we've got an inflationary, we're in an inflationary environment at the moment. Now, there's nothing that's going to happen in the next six to nine months, 12 months, it's going to really fundamentally change that. Inflation is, it always is, a monetary issue, right? Yes, we agree, Milton. We agree with that, right? And, uh, and that means that there are, there's too much money chasing not enough goods and services, right? So how do you, you can fix that by, um, you know, um, tamping down on demand, or you can fix that by, getting the economy producing more goods and services, you're not going to do that unless the tax burden's reduced. And, like, that's the type of policy setting that I think is all that a government can manage. But that's, but that's not right. I mean, and the, the, the number of public servants have gone from 48,000 to 62,000 yep. um, from 2017 until now. Yep. Right? Now, a decision was made somewhere to allow that to happen, or at least... To, to to not prevent this yeah. metastasis. So you, so you know how that states. came about. You know how that came about. So the minister, minister no, of state I'm, services, Chris Hipkins, yes. removed the cap on um, on on the core public sector because doing that would reduce the amount of money spent on consultants. So um, no, I did not know this. So so um, explain this. Go so in 20, 2018, I believe. Yes. The National Party had, but there had been a cap on the level of core public servants. And and this was um, a regulatory cap imposed by Key's administration. It was by it was a Bill English thing, yep. all throughout, which was maintained all throughout the Key English government. Right. right. Yep. So X number of people employed in the core public sector. Yes. There's a sinking lid that was meant to reduce the size through attrition. How well it did that, I don't know. But the critique of the left was. Well, because in, 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 in fairness to uh, John Key, the size of the state relative to GDP did actually fall yep. slightly mm-hmm. during his nine years. Because, and it was because he had the discipline of having a cap, right? Yeah. And so um, uh, what happened, the critique from the left always was, well, that, 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 you know, you can cap it, but it's artificial when you just have all this money going, being spent on EY and Deloitte and all that. Was that instead. true, objectively, looking back at that period? Well, there was an increase in that cost. But what Chris Hipkins said when he was Minister of State of the Public Sector, as they renamed it, was that we'll, we'll reduce the cap, we'll take the cap away for public, the public sector, and that's going to save us all this money on consultants. Well, of course, what happened, right? You just had, you had both. You had an increase in the public sector, huge, which you just outlined, plus a huge increase in the consultant spend. 
Because what we've got at the moment, like it's the, the public sector is kind of like an overweight person, like a you know, like a really you know, like people people talk about the public sector. It's like really flabby and unfit. Yes. And a really flabby and unfit person um, doesn't actually have the ability to do anything. They need to they need to hire people to move them around, you know, and to feed them, to turn them over when they get bed sores. And that's kind of how the public the sector imagery. Yeah. I know, but that's how the public sector kind of is at the moment. It feels like you know, like it's really bloated and fat, and all it does is consult with itself, and yes. it can't do anything. So it needs to bring it. Still needs to bring in these consultants to do, because it's too. It's atrophied. All its muscles have atrophied. Yes. So you know, like it's completely true, right? And um, that um, that th- this is what's happened. Now your your view is that the ACT Party can remedy it. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Let me be clear. I'm, I'm not saying that the ACT Party can, but what I'm saying is the ACT Party, a bit like with education, the ACT Party seems to have a real hunger and a desire yeah. to do so. Whether they can when they by get putting into on office, a, by putting on a crash diet, and you know there is, there is a. Well, but, but isn't that what Elon Musk did to Twitter? I think this is a fantastic example. He went, I'm going to make the numbers up from like 6,000 to yeah. 3,000 staff, and the thing kept running. So what the hell were the, yeah. all these people running around doing ESG <laughs> garbage? I mean, it just kept yeah. running. Yeah, and and yeah, and yeah, you're right there, and, and that's a good example. And there, and, there, um, and there are ministries here and departments that could lose whole floors. You know, it, it made me laugh. It was like a few years ago, um, like MB went on strike for like an hour or something like that. And, you know, do you think the economy faltered, like, at all? Did anyone notice anyone who was trying to do business? Did the country stop being able to do business for an hour? <coughs> it was, no. it, you know, it was, it, it's completely true. Now, um, you know, the, the ACT Party says that, you know, it can it can solve it through a crash diet. But, you know, it remains, like, the ACT Party's got no experience of delivering that. You can't that's, it be delivered. That, that's not true. They, they delivered the super city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, the system always, house always wins. You know, so the ACT Party is going to set up a Ministry of Regu- Regulatory Review or yes. something, isn't it? Okay, so their solution to the red tape problem is going to be a new round of red tape. Now, the, now they the previous reform that the ACT Party had, a policy, big policy win, was the regulatory impact reviews. Yes. Right? So when you pass legislation, there has to be, uh, you know, some sort of review. I know. Of what, I've, I mean... I find those actually quite useful. I well, don't has know. it slowed the growth of the no, state? No, it hasn't. But it's quite useful for generating content for columns. You know, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, that, you know, it's, it's its primary thing. It's fodder for us. But it doesn't slow anything down. And and just got that same scepticism, you know, that like you can come in with a plan that you're just going to do all this and, you know, no experience of actually delivering it and all we end to do. But if, they, if, if the ACT Party was able to abolish the Ministry of Women, which let's face it, is an utterly... Pointless yeah. organisation. I just i I struggle to accept, or I, I find it unlikely that that an incoming Labor administration, after three, six, nine years without it, would suddenly say oh, we need to we need to reinvent that. I think if you actually kill some of these things, I mean they, they would find other stupid things to spend their money on. I'm not yeah. saying that they would, but but the thing that that attracts me to the ACT Party vision or world view is they would say all right we're going to because you look at the the, the schools i mean what what they would clearly like to do is actually sell the damn yeah, things yeah. right so but i mean practically speaking i don't think they could get away with that they they haven't said so on uh hospitals but my gut feeling is given half a chance they would actually sell starship because then the state would be a bit like if you remember um, the Crown Health Enterprises, again, under yeah. uh, Jim Bulger's administration, 
where the state says, yes, we have to pay for hip replacements, but we don't need to be yeah. done in a state hospital. So the what attracts me to the ACT Party's philo philosophical worldview, which is very different from yeah. nationals, is that ACT is saying, look, we're not going to trust ourselves or a future administration to run the, the, the organs of the state. We are going to change the model by which these organisations are run, and and that's a change. So, so that two, lasts. so two things there. All right, two things there. First of all, I note these. It's an attractive element of X philosophy for you. All right. So we're dealing. You're dealing in the realm of the abstract. You're you're attracted to it yes. as a principle. Yes. Right. Not as a realistic political promise, because because if the National Party was to put into its Policy platform, abolition of the Ministry of Women. Yes. What would what would the result of that be? Well, how would the Labour Party react to that? It would. would it would. What would it say? It would say be as outraged as they are when and, David and Seymour does it. Well, no. Well, what would they accuse? They would accuse National of waging a war on women. It would create. This whole well, at least narrative. National can define what a woman is, which is something that everybody <laughs> well, struggles with. Well, it would create this whole narrative where the National Party would constantly be on the back foot having to prove its bona fide days as not being against women because it would be a nice, short sound bite that could be used. Now, now, I don't know that I agree with uh, that. Absolutely would be. Now, now, the National Party and the ACT Party have an overlapping constituency, but it's not the same constituency. The National Party cannot win office unless it has enough suburban mothers mm -hmm. and voters of that type who would never, ever vote, people who would never vote ACT, people like yes. my wife, yes. uh, who, would actually, uh, who, who, who would actually be greatly turned off by National if, if we had a, a narrative around National being a party that was out to curtail women's rights. Now, whether or not you can... Uh, win that argument uh, intellectually doesn't matter because explaining is losing, as Ronald Reagan, you know, always said. It's the question about those things is there's the principled position, and then you've got to ask: is the square, is the sauce, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is it is it worth what we're going to lose in terms of what we can do? Is it worth making it hard to do those things that will make a difference by giving up these symbolic things? And is it is it good use of our political capital? I hate that term, but it's kind of the way to look at it, because we're not the National Party isn't gunning for the same vote that the ACT Party is. National ACT got twenty percent of the vote, you know. This is, and this is the problem with MMP, and this is my problem with small parties. If ACT got twenty percent of yeah. the vote, um, David Seymour will be you know uh, uh, hosing himself down with champagne. You know, ACT would be over the moon. Twenty percent for National is it would be a disaster. Yeah. You've been there before. We have, I know. <laughs> it's still got the the party still got the scars of it, and you know, and 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 that there, that leads to a fundamental difference. That's the fundamental difference between the parties. What they can do. The National Party is not a party that can be an ideologically pure party. It just can't. Its function isn't to push the nation rightwards. Its function is to uh, govern as centre rightedly as is viable, given the overall electorate. See, I don't, I don't buy that. Jim Bolger, um, uh, when he won, so he had Ruth Richardson, had her for three years, had a bit of a scare, and then panicked, and jettisoned Ruth Richardson for, I think it was Bill, Bill Birch. Birch yeah. And, and at, at that point, the relatively limited reform agenda stopped. 
if Ruth Richardson had been able to continue, yep. it's entirely possible that Jim Bolger would have been a two-term prime minister. Mm-hmm. But he could have done things in those two terms that would have cemented in some of the um, Roger Douglas legacy. When I look back at the... And, and by doing that, it would have made the subsequent Cullen years less of a problem. And when I look at the Joan Key years, I struggle to see anything of enduring value that, that came out of that. He had all of this political capital. If he had been in power for three years or six years and then actually did stuff in that time, they couldn't even get rid of the RMA in the first three years, and they had the opportunity to do so. So The only thing that they seemed to do was build some goddamn roads, and that's thanks to Stephen Joyce. So there are are some things that I agree with what you've said, okay? Mm -hmm. So I think the analysis about what happened in that national government is a little bit jaundiced. I think what, So which one? The Bolger or the Key the, one? The Bolger one, right? Yep. So why, why, why? Well because I what happened because not because that Bolger was never was never temperamentally a neoliberal, right? No. He, he wasn't. He was and you can see he's that from a Catholic his post- conservative, right? Yeah. He's, he's he was never that left as he is now, but he was also <laughs> just a he's like Bill English. You know, yes. like it's 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 from that so, same solid tradition actually that both you and I come from. Yes. Uh, and um, but you know he they in 1990 they campaigned on you know it was going to be a moderating force right and it was only because the uh, economy coll- just collapsed right that we were that we, that, we, that that was able to be extended the, the era of economic reform was able to be extended for another three years mm-hmm. uh, it was an opening that Ruth Richardson and Jenny Shipley and they, you know they took it right yeah um, and it, there certainly is a feeling of uh, unfinished business there um, it was the the era of economic reform in New Zealand was a bit of a miracle I think you know like there's just a sort of happenstance and chance that it worked the way it did so you had Muldoon as an interventionist, you know, getting drunk and calling a SAP election. So you have mm. Labour coming in without a, manif- without a manifesto, right? So no, no strong commitments in terms of policy, apart from a vague sort of liberalising sort of agenda. And then you get, um, you have the right, ma- the right couple of people, right three people in the right place, um, uh, Preble, um, uh, Douglas. Douglas and uh, Cagle, I think. And so they do it, and they and they implement a, 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 a six years economic reform, and they choose their political enemies, right? So they first inflict it on the farmers. Farmers aren't going to vote for, for for Labour anyway, right? So farmers bear the brunt of it first, but they don't extend it into the social sphere so much. Or the or the labour market. Or the labour, yeah. That and was left labor up to market. with Richardson. Right, you then have so so you then have this unusual position where you have this you know nominally centre left government right kicking kicking off the kicking it off. You then have a centre-right government coming in, which actually wasn't all that keen on it, but circumstances were which they were, and they were able to then implement the other half of it, right? And so that's why those reforms stuck. You had, it was, they, were, they had so much time to be embedded and to become entrenched, but that was, in some ways, a, a confluence of historical accidents. Now I agree with you that you know another three years, another another three years of it, you would have had, you, you would have have completed the job, right? It doesn't follow that you you can complete the job now and pick up where you left off. But why couldn't John Key have completed that job? He had he had the mandate, he had the votes in Parliament, but <coughs> looking back, he didn't. 
he didn't he didn't have the appetite. He didn't, he didn't have the mandate or the or the votes. And the first in his first no. term. So so MMP, right? So so that first key government scrapes in by the skin of its teeth because it's MMP. Yep. Right? You know, it's act national by themselves aren't enough to govern. Well, yeah, Peter Dunn, didn't he? Yeah. Peter Dunn, you know, like a former Labour cabinet minister, you know, like a But he was he was on board squ- for IMA. Squishy se- Well, yeah, but then you had the Maori Party too, right? You know, like They he, weren't they weren't a sentiment in the yeah, first three years. But they 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 but they were because they because you, he needed to have different paths to powers for different issues, right? You had you do juggle different things. I mean, the reality is is that any Election under MMP, apart from the last one, is going to be is going to be tight, right? And so we had this era of economic reform where you know you could governments had the power to do these big things, and then the voters quite deliberately said that we don't want that anymore. Actually, you know what? It pisses us off that we had all this um, socially destructive reform, and it was needed. It's the the the, um, the reforms were like chemotherapy. Right, the, the the country was sick, and the medicine. No, was I, 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 but, but I they, agree but they with could all do that. that. And then in 1990, they had the same. They had more of the same after being promised none of it. And they voters said, "You know, I'm not having this again. We're going to restrain your power by having proportional representation." Now, the irony of it is, is that you support the ACT Party, and the ACT Party loves MMP because it means the ACT Party can get more MPs than, than they otherwise would have. But it's MMP would, that stops drunk, the reform I that would they want. I would MMP in a heartbeat, yeah. giving up. And then, and then the ACT Party would have, you know, merge in with the National yeah. Party. And which, is would, what it, which is how it should which be. Which is how it, would, it, it, it used to be, although the ACT Party, of course, well, came the Party, from the, the ACT Party so is the fourth Labour government in exile. Um, okay. Let's talk about our friends, Mr. Luxon. Yeah. Because when I see Mr. Luxon, I, and I look at his economic policy, mm-hmm. and the numbers are strike me as very squishy. We're going to, you know, this extra 15% on, on foreign investments. I mean, that's just, yeah. none of that's going to work. Um, I don't really care that the numbers don't add yeah, up. Neither, neither do I. But what I do care about is I'm not seeing in Mr. Luxon somebody with any ambition to carry the ball forward. He now, I mean, I hear I hear conflicting stories from people who are close to him. Yeah. And 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 possibly so do you. But when I am looking at what he says, I'm not convinced that he is committed in any way to rolling back anything that's happened in the last six years. So you'd rather have a Jacinda Ardern type who talks of lots of soaring rhetoric about transformation and uh, doesn't really deliver it. It's, you know, you, you can't judge things on how politicians present. So what will Luxon be like as Prime Minister? I don't know. I mean, it's... Have all, you you've met him? I've met him a few times. Yeah, I know him, all right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I text him and, uh, and things like that. And, you know, um, and I should disclose, um, you know, I've got family who work for him. Yeah. As well, um, I d- I was quite opposed to Luxon. I was also I was opposed to his selection for Botany. Um, I didn't like the idea of having a corporate guy come in. Uh, you were on Team Simon. Yep, definitely, and Team Agnes Lahini for for the Botany selection. Okay. But it, it wasn't actually until I met Luxon that I kind of thought, like, you you know what, I'm sort of going to be casting a positive vote for Luxon instead of just a tribal vote for National and. The reason was was so John Key, you know, like John Key was a was a he was a foreign exchange guy, right? He's a gambler, mm-hmm. and he had a gambler's iron nerve. Yeah, you know, like he could, you know, he would make places bets, and he and we wouldn't be shaken by things. 
Uh, and uh, and sometimes those bets would pay off and sometimes they wouldn't. A really good example of it not paying off was the flag referendum. Thank God it was a pointless exercise that didn't matter. Um, and and I sort of had this concern that, you know, um, Luxon would be another key. And, you know, not that I had anything against key. I quite like key, but key is not what we need. What I like about Luxon and was he came to a, a National Party fundraiser in the Rangitiki electorate where I live, mm-hmm. um, part of what's called a caucus club or a cabinet club or whatever. And talking to him, he just had a much more systematic way of looking at the problems that the country face, and in particular, the need to reform the public sector. And seeing it, fr- so whereas Key would Key was would go on instincts. And Luxon seemed more like an operations guy. And so you talk, talk to him and he would talk about the issues, the, the issues with the public sector, a public sector that is too flabby and weak to deliver anything um, sort of strongly. You, need, you, you might like the fact that the public sector can't do a lot, but, you know, if we're going to have one, you know, it should be able to deliver um, what it's um, you know, tasked with doing. And I kind of felt that that was the difference between, like there's a, a CEO-type guy and a, someone who's more of a of a risk taker and a gambler and an entrepreneur. And, you know, like, Luxon's not an entrepreneur. And, like, I think something you and I agreed with was it was annoying, kind of, when he was put on the um, the, uh, the yeah. Small Business Council. Because, you know, you and I both started businesses. You maxed out our credit cards and, yep. you know, swarried about it and filled out GST returns. It's not like Chris Luxon was, like, you know, started Unilever in his garage. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a uh, you know, he's a, he's a company man and a corporate man. Uh, and he did a good job of running Air New Zealand, uh, by all reports. But you know, the government isn't a startup business. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not a. Um, a self-made business or a, an empire that someone's built uh, based so on. So, what would he do based based on your knowledge of him? What would he be like as prime minister? What could we expect after three or six years of his prime ministership? My sincere hope is, and it's only a hope, right? Is that. Um, the biggest challenge facing this country, I believe, is the need for public sector reform, right? And my hope is that a Luxon administration or Luxon ministry will uh, hold the public sector bureaucrats accountable and push them to reform and get their own houses in order. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot to go on in terms of thinking that's going to be guaranteed. There aren't a lot of plans in place that I can see for how that's going to be achieved. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing that comes down to the person. You can't do that from outside. You have to, You can only do it when you're in. I'm sorry, I don't have any more for you for that than that. Right. Well, that's we, we can only. It is. It is a bit. But that's that is often the way, isn't it? So, when when for example we had Jacinda Ardern, and and she was elected on a on a, on a hope and a wing and a prayer. Yeah. And then we got we got what we got. Some yeah. people loved it. Some people hated it. Yeah. But I'm not too sure that looking back, if you'd been following Adern's career, you could have necessarily predicted how, how a premiership could have gone. And I think the same is true with Key and with Bolger. I think it's a, to some extent, it's a mugs game, and let's face it, we're both mugs, to try and work out yeah. what Luxon will be like as a prime minister. All we can do is we can look at what he's doing and saying now, and at the moment for me... And, um, and how he might respond to events, right? Cause well, well, that's the other thing, yeah, because Jacinda Ardern and, and John Key had, had to respond to very different events. Yeah. Our, our, second, our second city got destroyed 
in a pair of terrible earthquakes, what would happen? What you know? What would happen? What would have happened if there was a different government then? How would a Labour government have responded? These are all counterintuitives that we can never answer. No, we can you, only hope for the best. Um, and so, because my my suspicion is that that we are heading for a, a, some pretty ugly economic weather, uh, and there's, there's no doubt about it. You can see it on the horizon. Yeah, but is it is it? You know, is it 2008 or is it 1929, right? So you hope for 2008. Yeah. Um, but there is part of me thinking that this, this is a 1929 style and um, and I think... Well, I don't, you think it's poss- don't you worry it's more going to be like more of a 1973 or 1972? That's sort of my worry. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably not a bad, not a, a, a bad result. I, th- I, I think that we have... The chances of a 1929 type event are probably only five percent, but I think in people's mind it's it's zero point zero one percent, and so so you're you're worried about you're worried about some sort of big collapse or so, so, see, I'm not worried about that so much, and that happens, right? That's part of this is part it's a seasonal thing, right? I'm worried. I, no, I, 2008 I, is seasonal. Well, you know, it's a it's a t- every ten years recession, right? Yeah, which you know? we which we which we but, haven't had for fifteen years. Yeah, but we've been putting off, putting off. But I'm, you know, that's an event. What I'm more worried about, and I, and you know, anyone with kids, I think, should worry about, is the long term outlook for the country, the long term uh, 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 trends that we're on. Where do you hope your kids grow up? Where for your for your sake, where do you hope your kids grow up? I hope they grow up in New Zealand. They for your New kids, Zealand. for your kids' sake, where do you think they should grow up? New Zealand, it's our home. There's more to life than money. <clears throat> there, you know, there is. It's no, I, 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 I'm, I agree with We've you. We've lived in this country since the 1840s, our family. You know, it's our home. I don't want them to live in I wouldn't, you know, this is, have you heard the story about Enoch Powell and Margaret Thatcher and their disagreement? No. no. So Margaret Thatcher was talking about how we were going to the Falklands. Why are we fighting for the Falklands, you know? Yes. To defend our values, Margaret Thatcher said. You know, yes. we're defending our values. Enoch Powell said, no, we're not. What are you talking about? I, I, this is my country. I would fight for my country if it was a communist dictatorship. <laughs> and that is the difference between your, your US-style libertarian Republican ideal and Toryism. This is my, you know, this country is, we've, we've got huge problems with productivity. You know, we're, f- we're far away from markets. You know, we're, there, are, there are advantages that other countries are picking up that we are not going to be able to pick up on. But this is this is our home. My, I've, I live here. I, li- I live thirty kilometres from where I was born. So I've got a. It's a, it's a, it's a disposition for me. You are Tucker the Fenua. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, all right. There was so, nowhere else for me to go. So I've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Like Richard Gear. Um, okay. All right. So uh, in this um, coming up to the top of the hour. So and I'm trying. I try and keep these to an hour. So <clears throat> we've been discussing uh, where. If you are a centre-right voter, you should consider putting your vote. Uh, and um, you've painted a reasonably dispiriting image, I think, of 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 kind of an an inertia. And you might be right of 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 an inertia, of a ship of state that's very difficult to change and would only really change when there is some external or internal shock that. That yeah. shifts it. You, 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 I don't want to overstate that because there are meaningful differences, right? Fair pay agreements are a meaningful difference. No, I agree. Yeah. Yes. It's just that 
you know, you talk about the ACT Party's going to do this and the ACT Party would do that. Well, no, the ACT Party wants to do these yeah, things. Yeah, which is like, okay, would you, the... like to, would you like to hear my fantasy selections for the All Blacks? <laughs> you know, like, it's interesting and fun, but there, there are, we, we live in a, we have a complex political ecosystem that involves elected and unelected parts and has a, there's a media component to it. There are all these things, and actually, what you want to do and what you can do are uh, very, very different. And I think, and 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 my response to that is, um, I think you have seen, and the super city is one, although I, I don't think it was a great outcome. Um, uh, the ninety day, um, the ninety day um, uh, rule for employers. Yep. I, I I also think, in fairness to uh, Sir John Key. The forty-nine percent sale of the electricity utilities—that was significant income tax cuts. Those were things that Key did that have not been undone. Oh, so yeah. you can do things, you can do things that permanently and significantly improve. And the so I'm not as pessimistic as you are. I think that yeah. that individuals and when I when I look at ACT, I look at. And what I'm hoping that ACT will do if they get in uh, or they get a seat at the table is that they will pick one, two, three areas. The one I hope that they pick is, is David Seymour takes education, right? So, and just, or just pick, pick an area and put all of your political capital on one area yeah. and, and make a change because I'm not confident. And, yeah. you, and, and you want Swing education because you've got this Jesuit idea that, you know, give me the boy and I'll give you the man, and that's going to flow through. No, I, I, I just think education or, 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 or health, likewise. I mean, yeah. you, you, you can make long-term structural changes that if they, are, if they prove successful will be, will be hard to um, unwind. Yeah, but you and know what? I They've got to be the sorts of things that you can actually do without, you know, it's like, um, you know, the old adage about taxation, you know, it's about plucking feathers without making the goose hiss. You've got, to, you know, and that's, you, that, uh, I've got some, uh, like, uh, I'll be honest with you about a couple of something, which is that uh, I'm not going to work for the ACT Party. <laughs> uh, wait, but, that's, wait. but do you know what, do you know why? That's, it's because of, it's because I am a conservative and it's because of uh, um, assisted suicide euthanasia. I just can't bring myself to vote for the ACT Party, but still because of that, right? But, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have voted for the ACT Party Irrespective of that, there the ACT Party, there the ACT Party this time round has um, some very very strong policies that I think make a big difference for the country, and they are boring things that you will never want to talk about on a podcast, but which if the ACT Party can get under the get national to do, will make a huge difference. Now, um, disclosure here: the ACT Party approached me. Yep. Uh, a couple of months ago or a month ago or something like that to say, can you have some input on our anti-money laundering um, yes. policy? And I was like, yep, you know, like, we'll do this, happy to do this. And they said, you know, we understand that you don't want to help us because you hate us. And I was like, yeah, I do hate you, but I hate AML more. <laughs> and so um, the AML reforms that they've come out with, all right, yes. you know, will genuinely if, will, will remove a burden on people who just want to do business to, to, um Another another example. It seems seems silly, but as someone who is a small businessman who's been struck, who battled an illness for for a fortnight, a bad cold, letting me have cough medicine. Pseudo dream. No, I know. And you know the ACT Party actually this time round has a lot of policies like that, stuff that the National Party shouldn't really get too upset about. And I my view would be, if you push those things, you'll be making the biggest possible difference. You know, those reforms seem small ball, 
but setting a precedent for getting rid of the small annoying things in life, the, the small annoying accumulation of red tape and restrictions, is something that the ACT Party is really, really well placed to do. And I'm hopeful for it. And if it wasn't for euthanasia, I'd, I'd possibly even be thinking about voting for ACT. <laughs> on the strength of their AML policy alone. Which you help write. All right. Um, I think I've run over, run over time. Liam, thank you so much. Uh, quite keen because, um, as uh, we mentioned before we started, you and I have some quite different world views on religion and on politics and conservatism and libertarianism. And I, I think there will be a real value possibly for ourselves, if not anybody else, to actually sit down there and tease some of those things out. Because I, I, I like and respect the way you think, even though you are catastrophically wrong on so many areas. I think you're a great guy, Damien, despite your checkered past. And, your, <laughs> and you're even worse, your unreconstructed libertarianism. You went from bad to worse. I think you were better when you were a criminal. <laughs> thank you're you. more morally acceptable. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Liam. Thank you.